0: Have you ever found yourself wondering, what would it be like to have your own radio show? On today's program, we'll speak with two industry veterans that will help us understand what it means to be on the radio. We'll also talk about the opportunity you have to create your own program right here at WFPR Franklin Public Radio. So stay tuned as we convene. Radio University, coming up next on Chapter Welcome everybody to another edition of chapters on today's program. We bring you to Radio University, better known as Radio U, and to help us talk About all things radio, we have two industry veterans in studio. I have Peter Jay with us. Welcome, Peter. Yo! And my friend Michael Pettit. Welcome, Michael. Hey, good morning. The purpose of today's show is to talk all things radio, and in particular, to talk a little bit about my experience here as a volunteer at WFPR. In Franklin, I've had a wonderful experience. I've got 67 shows in the can, as they say, Peter, Uh and counting. 33 more, and
1: you're in syndication. (laughs) There you go. Oh, that's television.
0: Yeah, that's television, exactly. So
2: let's talk a little bit about the radio, and we'll start with you, Peter. Well, my ignominious start, and that's really the only way to categorize it, uh, was way back in the day. Back, 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 in the day (laughs) when... You needed an FCC license. And I was a young kid, uh, literally out of high school. And it's the late 60s. And the technical requirements to be in the radio were very stringent. You needed an FCC license. Right. I had a first class license at the time, Yeah. Uh, which was a real badge of honor. And you could literally write down... The call letters of the place you wanted to work, and you would be hired. Sure. You'd walk in, holding up that little green piece of paper from the FCC, and you would say, me announce, <laughs> and you'd be hired. No, if I'm not it mistaken, didn't matter.
0: If I'm not mistaken, the instructors didn't believe you passed it.
2: Uh, no, no. They, yeah, well, I passed it on my 15th birthday.
0: They had to go under further review because a kid that they rides did. his bike to the test
2: normally doesn't pass that type I of thing. I did ride my bike to the test. Is that a
1: grandfather clause? <laughs> The kitty claws. Yeah, yeah, kitty claws. Yeah, we'll but, put the yeah. kid on. Kid on his bike. Put the kid on.
2: Yeah, but that that's true. They told me right then and there that I passed the test because they couldn't believe it that I went sailing through the whole thing. Anyway, yeah. technical aside, you know, it, it gave me an entree into both television and radio. And like everybody else, I, I started out in the hustings, in those tiny backwater stations where you read the liners and you... You know, try to follow the format as best you can. And you work the strange hours in the middle of the night and on weekends and whatnot. Lennon sisters and Yellowbird. (laughs) 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 So, you know, you got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you start out at the
0: ripe old age of 15 Uh and aspire to become a media personality?
2: No, I just aspired. And I had no idea what I was aspiring to. I was just in the game. Back in the day... All the small radio and TV stations were desperate for staff. Yeah. You weren't making money, yeah. but you could work anywhere. All and right. I literally worked at a TV station and three radio stations at the same time. Wow. You know, I played syrup music in the morning. You know, hey, Montevani. You know, and then... Sure. <laughs> then in midday, it was the Lennon Sisters, Sound of the Good Life, and all that other stuff. And then, you know, it was the rock and roll stuff late in the evening. And meanwhile, I'm finding time to work at the TV station as well. I was just cranking hours like crazy. But it was, you know, I was in school. I was, you know, I was in the school of life learning the craft. Sure. And so you've witnessed a lot of change in the industry. Oh, yeah. It's all all data. Mm -hmm. It's all automatic. It's all antiseptic. Mm. And, you know, again, flashing back to the early days, there are people out there who are going to remember, you know, real personalities, people who were like, you know, Norm Nathan, Jess Kane, who brought sure. a lot of themselves personally to the radio. Yeah. And, and they evolved into guys like Howard Stern, who likewise, in his own way, brings a lot of himself to the radio. Right. And that gets us to a discussion about, all right, what does that mean? What does it mean to be on the radio? Um, and I think... That Howard Stern's film, Private Parts, right. tells a great story about that because right. you see him starting out in the hustings, you know, reading the radio liners with absolutely no conviction whatsoever. Right. <laughs> you know, here we are in Detroit, <laughs> and and just doing his job as a disc jockey, um, and the epiphany. You know, the, the giant bolt of lightning for him was understanding that radio is really about being yourself and at the same time, in some odd way, finding a way to be a little larger than life. Right.
0: You know, and, and isn't that the balancing act? And and if you listen to somebody faithfully, like I listened to Don Imus for years and years and years, and that, that was the balance right there. It was that transparency, you get to see who I am, but... I'm going to blow myself up, as you said, bigger than life. So he does things in character that that make him seem otherworldly, if you will, and right. people start to fantasize for the radio. What would it be like to be Don Imus? What would it be like to have that life?
2: Sure. Well, you know, we talked about the fact that on the radio, your hair is always perfect, right? I mean, in fact, you know, you Deborah great. Norville said so. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you. You look. Good. You got a face for radio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. I think what the uh,
1: what we're talking about now is the the evolution of radio, how it's gone to people. You want to be yourself, and you have to create that persona. And now we're talking about the shock jock term. Right. Uh-huh. Would you say that Don Imus is the father? Is the grandfather? Is the original? He
2: was certainly early in the game. Who else? I mean. Well, Howard certainly defined and expanded that role as well. I mean, he he worked that one for a long time. And, you know, Shock Jock has kind of come and gone because a lot of it has, you know, run aground and, you know, people, you know, how can you keep on expanding that? How can you continue being even more shocking? Right. And and so, you know, guys getting fired here and there at various stations for stepping over some invisible line.
0: And Howard Stern made made some real hay with that FCC. When the FCC came down on him, that was a whole year's worth of material for him.
2: Oh, but, yeah. But and then you built... bump
0: into that hard wall, right?
1: Yeah. But, but that built his... I would say that that's where he found his true identity, right? Yes. That's where Howard, we talked about that, Peter. That is where he found who he was and what resonated with the end user, which was the listener. Yep. And, and... Uh, in the movie, you know, uh, Private Parts, his program director, who we referred to as Pig Vomit, um, <laughs> every time they wanted to fire Howard Stern, yeah. the sales uh, general sales manager would come in and say, "Look at the listeners, look at the ratings, That's right. Right. look right. at the listeners, look right. at these numbers." The right. guys
2: printing money for us,
1: and that meant that they had a captive audience. People were in New York City, and the bridges were shut down, and people were sitting listening to what Howard Stern and Don Imus had to say. Um, and, you know, when you're a rebel like that, as you know, yep. y- you walk alone. Hey, Michael Pettit, you cut your teeth in the, in the radio industry in the 80s. Is that right? My, my humble beginnings, I, I grew up listening. I'm from Attleboro. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to a little station called WARA. Uh-huh. And there was a gentleman by the name of Tom Cuddy. Yeah. And as a child, I would sit there and get ready for school eating my cereal. You wanted to hear your name being yeah. set on the radio for birthdays. Right? Yeah. And that looking at the radio and hearing your name come through that little speaker yeah. was just, to me, it was like, wow, that's amazing. They just said my name. Right. And then you'd go to school and a couple of your friends. So it was that kind of juice, mm-hmm. that little buzz for me. Um, yeah, I started in the 80s. Um
2: Here's a a dedication that goes out to Martha from Stanley. Right. That's me. That's Stanley. Actually,
0: my name's Bob, but I chose Stanley for the radio. (laughs)
2: Right. So
1: So Martha won't know it's me.
2: Right. (laughs) Which is weird. Because I'm stalking her.
1: (laughs) I I was never the the host. I was always a sidekick um, as an impressionist. I was a character guy. I was the guy, knock at the door. And here comes the character. The phone would ring, and, well, hello, it's it's President Reagan. Oh, good morning, Mr. President. Well, hello. Oh, yes, Nancy. And, well, Gorbachev. Oh, yes, well. Oh. So I have been blessed or cursed. (laughs) Actually, I make a career out of it. I'm an entertainer. Right. And my gift is I'm an impressionist. Right. And one of the first impressions I think I ever heard that I could actually... You know, emulate was, hey, baby, it's the Wolfman Jack Saturday night. Rock go. and roll, baby. As we were going to the drive through as a family, right. um, that was just something. And then you saw his picture. Oh, my God, he actually looks like a Wolfman. Uh-huh. And that's where it all kind of formulated itself for me from the voice of someone I had heard on the radio. Right. And then I saw that face. Right. I was like... He's, he's, real, he's larger the than life. The rest of the puzzles put together. First time I saw Wolfman Jack, that was it for me.
0: You know, we're talking about something here that Pete mentioned to me early on. And, and so people know my history is, I'm just a wannabe guy that was walking and stumbling <laughs> around Franklin TV and got really lucky one day because I saw a WFPR sign and had no idea what was happening here. And sure enough, uh, we were one of 19, I believe, yes. licenses given out in that particular filing over That's right. it was more than 100, I believe. Right, Pete?
2: Yes, so, in
0: Massachusetts. Yeah, so I was... I was thrilled to be in the right place at the right time. Pete has given me uh, great instruction over time on um, and tips and tricks, and and it's
1: really been a lot a lot of fun for you, Jim. For somebody who, you know, my my gift is impressions. Pete come up through the ranks as the the, the godfather of of media, working multiple jobs. For you to see a sign and say, "Hey, I'd like to do that. I'd like to try that." That's a yeah. credit to. You, because you sound natural Well I have to tell you I've always wanted to do this. So
0: I was the kid with a instead of listening to my voice coming back which by the way sounds awfully boring. I don't know how long you sat nobody, there with your Cheerios. No. Nobody likes
1: nobody likes listening to themselves. No,
0: but I but I sat there with a pencil in front of the uh, as a microphone in front of the television. <laughs> I'd turn the sound down and I'd say, you know, <sighs> Jim Lomborg winds up. And of course I was always, I sounded like a, you know, sure. PBS guy sure. doing the antiques Roadshow. I had no idea what I was doing, but I loved it and I always imagine myself for exactly what you guys have mentioned i've always imagined myself being that person because they were charismatic uh, they they seemed to have the gift of gab and they had an incredible array of, of uh, a co- incredible balance of a sense of humor and a larger than life personality which just to me seemed like i wanted to be that person but one of the things pete said to me early on michael was that radio was the theater of the mind and that never left left me because that's how it feels. You just described being Stanley uh, doing a dedication or hearing your name come out of that little box. It's an exciting thing. The radio does things that that visual can't do. Can you describe how somebody in the business makes the radio entertaining for the end listener and makes it that theater of the mind?
2: Well, well, there are three things. One, what you say. Two, how you say it. Uh, and then the third is how you surround all that with context. Right. Uh, <clears throat> when you talk about theater of the mind, you know, in radio, you know, Stan Freeberg back in the 60s said radio expands the mind beyond 21 inches mm-hmm. uh, because it was comparing radio and TV. And he did a great campaign for the National Association of Broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, I was fortunate enough... In my very first job in a recording studio, mm. to actually do radio theater, mm. I was producing radio soap operas that were still on the air in the '60s. Wow! And I did several of the episodes for uh, My Gal Sunday, Pepper Young's Family, mm. uh, a number of old, those old radio shows. And you know, you would, you know, somebody would scream, and you hear the crunch, and you know, or or a gunshot, and you know, somebody died. Uh, and we did all of the stuff that you you see, you know, drop a watermelon off the top of a ladder and record <laughs> it at the bottom and oh my god, look at his back. <laughs> Gee, don't get... <laughs>
1: David Letterman. <laughs> I right was there. just thinking, David
0: Letterman. The only thing missing is Velcro. Sure.
2: Right, exactly. Sure. So so you'd actually be doing these real sound effects in, in a sound effect studio. Um and, and so that color in the background sort of creates the drama and then how the actors work you know, does the rest. Um, the, the larger than life thing is a very interesting discussion to have mm. because right now, we're in your dashboard. You're sitting there, and you're kinda of, sorta of listening to us. Right. Cause you're kinda of, sorta of interested. And maybe we say something that's brilliant from time to time. Uh, <clears throat> it could happen. You know. <laughs> Highly <laughs> unlikely. but. Uh,
1: I think a lot of people are sitting there saying, "I want my fifty minutes back right
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but the you know truth be told uh the way we speak normally is is you know pretty casual, pretty low key right compared to what we do when we're actually on the air on radio talking to people and and so how I'm moving my arms how i'm Gesturing, yeah, that's right, folks. I'm gesticulating right in front of you right now. Yeah, I just...
1: yeah you're, you, but you are, um, you're in fluctuating and that that comes while through. In
2: fluctuating while I'm gesticulating, right, it's...
1: right, which makes for an awfully uh, difficult studio to be in. It's a small place, and there's. I got, of... I got to
2: lie down. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm Irish,
1: right? But many people think I'm Italian yeah. because I, I blow the alphabet up with my hands yes, and my gestures, right. exactly. and uh-huh, yeah, and, uh-huh. but. No, it's exactly the, the theater of the mind is you want to bring those people in and when you laugh and when we laugh and we're laughing, we're smiling at, uh-huh. at this early in the morning, yeah. people, it, it comes through the radio and people can hear that. Right. And they can say, oh my God, I, I know this person. Right. Uh, I, uh-huh. I've met this guy before. I know this woman. And I know these types of, these people. Sure. And that's, to me, what, what's relatable in real and not that sound. Right, exactly. Because <laughs>
0: nobody's like that all the time. I want to remind everybody, we are talking you. about Radio University today. We are at Radio University. I've got my guests, Peter J. and Michael Pettit here. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find me at my podcast, www. Do you still have to say that? Yeah, anybody who doesn't know to dot the triple W. I know it. I always wonder about them. Chaptersradio.com.
1: Now, hold on a second. It's www.chaptersradio.com.
0: <laughs> I always wanted the sound effect. But, Michael, you bring up such an important point. You talk about timing. And your trade and craft and trade is comedy, which I've seen you do many times, and you do it really, really well. Timing is the essence of what you
1: do. Well, they always say the most important thing in comedy is timing. Um, (laughs) It's an old day. Timing on stage, yes, there is a um, there is a formula to joke telling. Really, there is a formula. Wait so a minute, uh, let me get my notepad if, out one second.
0: <clears throat> I could use this. Whether one. Whether
1: you are on radio yeah. or whether you are on stage or on TV, I call it the system of threes: setup, premise, punchline. Setup, premise, punchline. So if you watch Seinfeld if you watch Cheers going back if you watch all in the family Mm -hmm. the writers they have that system everybody loves Raymond Mm -hmm. Uh, these shows have a formula and you pick up on the but bump timing of the way that they structure yeah and a a timing for radio for me was allowing the other person to set it up Uh and to me to respond yeah yeah which is what you just did right now right
0: Part of what we're trying to do today is to let people know that there's an opportunity for you to have your own show right here at WFPR Franklin Public Radio. Any type of show that you might be interested in doing. I know that Peter here, the programming director, would be really interested in hearing what your ideas are and would be open to entertaining uh, almost anything you can think of. I know for myself, I was interested in people's stories and um, I'd always been interested in storytelling And I approached Peter with this idea, and he helped me formulate the idea behind chapters. And the premise of the show is everyone has a story, and every story is worth telling. And it's been just a blast here for almost two years, Um, and I had no prior experience. I would urge anybody out there that has any interest in radio or television to come by the studios here at 23 Hutchinson Street. Uh, Ask for Pete. uh, Ask for myself. If I'm around, we'd love to give you a tour and show you what it would be like to have your own program. Uh, You can certainly practice all you'd like. Uh, This is all pre-recorded. Otherwise, I couldn't do it. I know that. But you'll have
1: to be a Patriot Well, that's it. (laughs) unequivocally, Jim and Peter, you know, we're on to another Super Bowl, and we are all
2: patriots I at wondered,
1: Radio University. I wondered when, Bob, you were going to show up.
2: <laughs> it's fascinating, because what we're really talking about is media sensitivity. When you become a media person, mm. um, I started out, uh, you know, like all kids, you know, I had an interest uh while i was young in high school i went to a hi-fi show hi-fi yeah back when it was hi 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 fi, 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 fi. <laughs> and, and, and you know it was a big deal and sure. you know all of the 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 goldy glittery equipment was being shown at the midtown motel in boston for this hi-fi show and there was a radio station there WEI, yeah you know that played you know the soft violin stuff and they let you actually do a commercial mm-hmm. You know, they played a commercial for the Boston Globe mm-hmm. where they had a couple of actors talk about urban renewal yep. at, for 10 seconds, yep. and that was the setup, and then you came in with the institutional script, yeah. Yeah. and they gave you a little recording of yourself, yeah. which I still have. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that's where I got the bug officially, where I said, I could do this. Yeah. Uh, and I then went next week directly to WMEX and the WMEX good guys. Yeah and i actually walked in there first class license in hand and spent the afternoon working with arnie ginsburg and fixed his radio console Mm -hmm. uh, and got the bug um so i interned there before high school kids actually had internships of any kind um but just you know we all have our strange ways that we came into it and became aware of it but be, being a media person when you develop that skill set mm-hmm. it makes you a better presenter not only on the air but it gives you more confidence to speak at all occasions under all conditions and to realize that okay in this moment with these people in this room i'm on
0: pete i i think that's a wonderful uh, way of putting that and i found that by going home a lot of times i think i've i've completely ruined a show i think to myself i had a terrible day and i listen back and i say no you were actually pretty spot on that uh-huh. was pretty good sure. so if that's how you felt if that's how you sounded on your worst day you're not all that bad and you're right it's like a toastmasters times uh-huh. two because exactly. you get you've got editing material here you've got all kinds of things you can do in post-production but in the meantime you really do get that jolt of confidence
1: yes and and one thing that should be noted there's no script here right now no we're just three guys in a room sharing life stories sh- chapters of where we've been exactly and how we got to where we are and that's what's real that i always go back to that's what resonates with people the end listener right i know that guy right. i know that person oh right. that's a funny story right. i can relate to that my uncle exactly. did the same thing right. as a kid right. you know or i remember this time that happened um but you come back to what we initially started talking about was how radio has moved. It's mm-hmm. that voice. Yeah. It's the person behind that is that larger-than-life mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. that you somehow can relate to in some sense. Right. You know that person. Absolutely. Because they share. We are. You're sharing your story, your chapter. Right, exactly. You, you're sharing your story, who you are, because you're doing it how many days a week, Pete?
2: Five days a week? Seven uh, yeah, days a week? all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it's just... Part of the atmosphere of what it is that I do through the week. Sure. Um, part two of that little story about the hi fi show, mm-hmm. I read that with my perfect Everett accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Urban renewal, yeah. Urban renewal, yeah, no. There are yeah. two parts, like there are two parts, parts to every story. Yeah. And And when I heard it back, and literally two weeks later, that accent was gone. <laughs> I said, I can't do that anymore. And I just wiped it out. And I found a way to educate myself and just practice. And two months later, someone walked up to me and said, I knew you were somebody by the way you talk. Really? There I am. Sans accent. Sans accent. Yeah. Someone walked up to me and said, I knew you were someone by the way you talk. And I just, that dramatic pause, let that sink in. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: An important lesson. I will remind everybody, we are at Radio University today. My name's Jim Derek. This is Chapters Radio. I have as my guests, Peter J. and Michael Pettit talking all things radio. You can find my podcast at chaptersradio.com. I did want to talk a little bit about the fact that WFPR here at 23 Hutchinson Street in Franklin, Massachusetts is a Uh, Public radio station, it's been in existence for two years, Pete? Two years. Two years, uh, almost to the day. Um, We have openings for any type of show that you can imagine and any type of work you can imagine. If you can think it up, Pete will entertain it. And, by the way, you'll have one of the best mentors in the business. If there's a better one, I'd like to meet them.
1: And, and... I, I have to give a plug for the lobster roll that was delicious. Wasn't today. that great? <laughs> yeah. The way, they buttered, the way you buttered the way you butted the roll right. and you toasted it. Right. I'm like, God, I love these oh people. Oh my god, did well, so the right a best right rate. out of Everett. Right out of Everett. Lobster laughs. So if
0: you want to take a listen to some of the shows, you can find uh uh the wine show, The Wonderful World of Wine with Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. That's on, on Wednesdays at ten. Yep. It also runs, I believe, at uh, seven.
2: They do a great job. And they're they're, it's a
0: wonderful show. That's also on Saturdays. You can find my show chapters on Fridays. You can find Frank Falvey on Thursdays with Frank's music. There's a wide variety of, of um, platforms that you can launch from. And, and and like I said, if you can think it, uh, Pete can help you make your dream come true. The thing um,
2: I think that's common to all of them. You know, when Mark and Kim are doing their thing, they clearly have a passion for wine and they have a deep knowledge base Mm -hmm. and a lot of information to share. Mm -hmm. Frank does quite a bit of homework on his music program.
0: I produce the program. He works very, very hard on it.
2: So he comes in with each one of those things pretty well-researched. And so he spends a lot of time at home getting all the materials together and so on. So he's into it. And that's the key phrase, everybody's into it. So if there's something that you are into, and maybe, here's the thought, maybe you've got a buddy. Like the three of us are having a great old time right. talking right now. Sure. You don't have to go it alone. Maybe there's a couple of people who share a passion about something, and they would just like to talk about that.
0: Right. Right. And I want I want to encourage people to reach out to me. My email is jderick, the number 50, at hotmail.com. Or click on the Franklin TV website and contact Pete to talk about uh, opportunities up here to get involved. And again, I said, don't be intipi- intimidated. You won't be alone. And it's it's a lot of fun. Michael, I wanted to ask you about uh, I mean, your history with impressions is nothing short of amazing. Uh, you cut your teeth with with Mr. Most. Uh, back in the day,
2: yeah, I have I have a challenge. I have yeah. a throwdown. Celtics my...
1: radio announcer Johnny Most. That yeah. was my
2: yeah uh, yeah Johnny yeah. Most. Yeah,
1: and you won that contest. Now me we were sharing the 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 stories of the '80s before cable. There was a, a channel called Sports Channel, and that was uh, based. It was a New England based. Uh huh. You know, right. Do you remember Pete? Kind of like the music channel, right? Right. Uh, yeah, it was like an MTV. It was called Sports Channel and yeah. had a Wave logo yeah. with red yep. and blue. Yeah. Um, I won the Johnny Most Alike Contest. And again, um, if you want to go back to Theater of the Mind, which is our theme today, yeah. what did Johnny Most do? Right. Johnny Most painted that picture and you turned the TV down. That's how powerful that voice was, that character, his inflection, his passion for the green johnny most was that guy it was like okay uh stole the ball he stole the ball you you didn't you didn't even have a tv you know that that ball was stolen and the celtics won the game yeah totally and it was amazing you know
0: michael you pointed out that they can be quirky and the quirkier the better because they become your buddy and you're expecting the quirk during the game okay so johnny would
1: fiddle and diddle fiddle and diddle johnny's uh, f- oh, okay, bird has an notion, He fiddles and diddles. He daddles and doodles, and bang! <laughs> so, of course, they had to have a player named Dave Bing. Okay, bird over the corner to bing, bing, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> the Bing bang, bing, I forgot bang. all about that. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And I think this is something else that is very interesting. Um, you talk on a broader scale, but come back to basics. Um, you talk about a hook. Yeah. Not a hook shot. Yeah. Yeah. A hook. Right. When you're a radio personality yeah. and people want to relate to you, you had to have what? A sign on or right. a sign off? Right. Uh-huh. What, Pete, what was the first time you ever heard a radio personality who had a sign on or sign off and you're like, ha, I get that hook? That's his. M.O.
2: It's his thang. That's right. Thing. It's kind of his shingle hanging yeah. out there sure. as to who he or she was. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And who was that, Pete? Wow. Uh, the
1: first time you heard a personality and they said that.
2: Norm Nathan, Old Sport. Okay. That was it. Just he'd referred to everybody as Old Sport. See. You know? For now, me. So it wasn't his thing, but it was how he connected to you. Yeah. Sure. And so that was a very interesting connection yeah. that was unique to him. Coming from his voice. That's the it. way he delivered it. You know, yep. for me, I got a weird one. It was Eddie Andelman. Of course. Sports See funnel. you
0: soon at the Kowloon.
1: Sunday night. Right?
0: Chinese uh-huh. food. Who, how can you beat it? But sure. for some reason, I identify, well, not for some reason, I grew up listening to him with my dad, Watching a little tw- twelve-inch television, trying to see the Bruins through the fuzz with the with the stupid rabbit ears, and listening to Sports Huddle at the same time with Eddie Andelman. Oh,
1: how you doing, everybody? It's a Sports yeah. Right? Yeah, right, right. Hot dog Safari and Jim
0: McCarthy, and, sure. and they didn't try to hide their accents. Uh-huh. They were true Bostonians. They didn't want to be in anything other than that. Sure. And he had the fabulous Judy. Sure. And I now have the fabulous Jody, but that's another story. <laughs>
2: But, but of course, um, you know, there was Arnie Woo Woo Ginsburg.
0: Woo woo Ginsburg.
2: Arnie the woo telling you to come down to Adventure Car Hop and get a free forty-five RPM record with every single Adventure Burger.
1: But wait, there's more.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so who who coined that one, Pete? That's a but wait, there's more. Who? I don't wow. know. I wow. do not know. There's a Googleable but moment. That is a that is a catchphrase or a sign off or a sales pitch.
2: Every single commercial that sold stuff direct to t- from TV for twenty nine ninety five.
1: So we talk yeah. about now. Timing. What would
2: you pay? Right. So you talk
1: about timing, yeah. correct? Remember, yeah. I said that we asked about it. Yeah, but wait, there's
2: more. Right. That's right. But wait,
1: there's more. Right. See that Netflix? But wait, there's more. And this gets back. Flux. This gets
0: to something Pete and I were talking about earlier before we came on the air. Was your vocal resonance? Yes. And you were somebody that brought that to my. I you said yeah. Resonance yeah. and and that confused me. But resonance. Yes. Uh, can you? Display that for our listening oh audience. Okay. Um, hmm. Can I, you go I, say from from a Johnny Most to a uh, Casey Kaysen, You, you it, can, all in the same. I moment. I don't have the answer on
2: how. I do I this. I can tell you what it's not, right? <laughs> Sir David Attenborough has no residence whatsoever. I don't which know, which is why he can't fiddle and diddle and bing and bang. See now, the visual with Pete doing <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: that—it's better than anything. He's possibly going to be on Dateline Friday yeah, night. Right, <laughs> a little bit creepy, but you <laughs> yeah. sold the character. <laughs> but you sold the character. That's it. You were doing that like this, and your your mouth was like moving. <laughs> Phillips. So, yeah. <laughs> Would you uh, like a cookie? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Why do they always have to have a cookie? By the way, I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Um, th- r- yes, residents. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know how. I just know that when I would w- do an impression, yeah, I visualize the character and it comes out of my face. It does. So, it's That's just something it. that. Rich Little. On, Rich Little, come on, Rich Little. Richard Nixon did the best Rich Little impression we've ever heard of. Yeah. That's an old... <laughs> what? I'm not a crook. Why did I automatically put my hands up in the air? I didn't do it, because that's the first thing that we saw. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You got tricky-dicked. Um but and, and then when you uh, when when you go to Johnny, uh, why did I just put my finger? Right. Uh, like he's coming out of his mouth, and, and and I sound like I just came from the dentist. Yes. And and, and that Novocaine right. is wild.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. Now He's doing it. Yes.
1: Now he's doing it. I have to shoot. No, boy. We were worried we wouldn't have any any content today. So. This is fun. Working in radio. You'll get it. I'm going to paint the picture for you folks. Yeah. It's 1991. I'm working. How ironic. I'm working for a small station in Bonita Springs, Florida, which is just south of Fort Myers. Ooh. The Red Sox are still in Winter Haven. They yeah. haven't moved to Fort Myers yet, <laughs> yeah, which is
0: about a three I'm hour working, drive. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh.
1: working the morning show. Yep. And that's where the zoo stuff was still popular with the character. I got hired as a character guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I moved down there. So. We were still doing uh, the amazing Karnak. (laughs) And we would have the sound effect of of a piece of paper being ripped open. But Uh the Ed track that we had was always the same track. We Uh never used a new Ed. So what did Ed always do? (laughs) You, you are correct, sir. And of course, the great late. Phil Hartman really brought that to life on oh, Saturday yeah. Night Live. Absolutely. But the funny thing was, uh, I would come in and do a joke. Well, I don't know if you knew that last night, but uh, Pee Wee Herman was in the movie theater last night, and it was wild, <laughs> right? And I would do the Karnak, but we would still have the Ed... McMahon track. track from three weeks ago same thing and, it was, and the joke within the joke was that it didn't matter because Ed laughed at nothing and everything right exactly he
2: was the perfect straight guy he was, yeah. he was the foil oh you you are correct <laughs> <laughs> yes sir yes sir
1: you
0: know you can take uh, I could watch Johnny Carson until the cows come home sure uh, and it's still
1: relevant to me today sure, uh-huh. uh, sure. some of this stuff but um, that night when he sound he signed off in 1992 yeah, uh, yeah. I sincerely send you a heartfelt thank you for uh welcoming me into your uh your home <laughs> and i wish you all a uh a, I just got my yeah you get chills yeah you did yeah did everybody understand that one yeah. did you get that one i mean no, i'm regis but
2: it's, it's which gets us into vocal shape-shifting shape-shifting, right. shape-shifting. shape-shifting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. uh i always thought that you would be a guy who could do well, that's good great a shape- guy <laughs> no no you could do great shapeshift. now here's what i mean as <laughs> so, a guy so, that's so, good i'm 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 tossing a challenge in front of Mike here in that now shapeshifting from wolfman to Johnny. Yeah. That's that's kind of in the same wheelhouse. Sure. They both do the same thing. But now shapeshifting, you know, from you know person A who doesn't sound anything like person B right, right. would be like a, a fascinating thing to play with from an impression standpoint challenge and writing accepted. the dialogue to do that as well. Sure. You know.
1: Sure. Well, something that I thought of in many many of my <laughs> somewhat somewhat brilliant moments are in the car. Uh-huh. Sipping a coffee. Yeah. And yesterday I was doing this is honestly, this is off the cuff. Yeah. It's time for everybody loves Rain Man. <laughs> it's when Dustin Hoffman meets Ray Romano. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not going to do it. No. No, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Definitely want more coffee. No, I don't like coffee. Get it out of there now. Yeah. Oh, boy. Definitely. Oh, boy. Two sugars. No, I don't like it. I want a decaf. No. Everybody Uh, loves uh, Rain Man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what rest area were you in when you were doing this? Uh, Where's the warrant for your arrest? I was at the Cumberland Farms in Plainville, where I live now, Uh which I love my Plainville. Jeff Kinney, unlikely story. I love my little town of Plainville. But, so, Pete, yeah, it's one of those things um where and some voices respectfully i cannot do i just can't in person refer
2: to that as the vocal lateral arabesque right yes yeah yeah. (laughs) stuck to (laughs) landing. like like
1: obama i just i i couldn't i could not grasp i never i never really gave it that much of an effort yeah but i just feel like he wasn't in my voice range yeah and he was more of a visual uh-huh. impression. Yeah. There yes. were a lot of those was one guy on SNL that could really impersonate uh, President Obama. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, but Bill Clinton was easy. I could just do him like that. <laughs> you know, when I'm hanging out with the boys having a cigar, it was good. That's what we do.
2: Well, that's the thing. Bill Clinton uses a vocal fry for sincerity. Right, I feel your pain. Right, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty
0: good. Yeah, that was very good. I I think a lot of people can identify with doing Clinton. We've all done it around our house. I think. Uh huh. But. Honestly, Michael, the thing that amazes me when I've seen you live is your ability to shift subject to subject to subject on the fly, particularly when you're heckling audience members like me. But but seriously, you can come up, you come up with things very very quickly. And I'm I'm curious when you watch Robin Williams. Yes, um, the best. How, oh, what, yeah. do you, what do you think when you see him perform as a comedian yourself?
1: Okay, um, Robin yeah. Williams was. Talk about
2: being in the zone.
1: You just nailed it, Peter. I was going to say, um, the first time I ever really heard it was Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. the basketball player, said he used to close his eyes before the game and visualize himself making that shot mm-hmm. when the Bulls were on that run. Right. On a much smaller scale, and to even, but I'm an impressionist, clearly. Robin Williams is an impressionist. Rich Little, Billy Crystal, Jim Carrey— Dana Carvey, when you do this for a living, like for Pete, okay, you're an engineer, you're a smart gentleman, you've done quite well for yourself. How did you know to go under the soundboard and it must be XYZ because you have done this before? That's it. This is your wheelhouse. That's what you do. So to answer your question, Jim, as a somewhat professional, I'm definitely employed, I joke. When I'm on stage and I am performing a bit that I've done before, Okay, I know, and this goes back to radio. Uh huh. Know your end game, mm. know your punchline, know you're out, uh huh, which is a rim shot to get you into the commercial. That is Radio 101. Yes, me and you can sit and talk in a, in a station, the in, button in a studio. Know the button. What's your dump? What are you yep. going to dump out of your radio? It all that's weird. It all comes back to radio. It all comes back to know where the heck you're going.
0: And that's interesting you bring it up in the context of Robin Williams because there's a guy, if you're watching him, like me, as a non-comedian, I'm sitting there watching him saying, this guy has no idea what he's doing. He and knows, you're saying the he exact does. opposite. He absolutely does.
2: Absolutely. The refrigerator light comes on and he does 20 minutes. That's right. right. But he
1: knows his out clause. You, he, has he knows, knows out. his exit ramp. And okay. even in the middle of all that improv, he's got an out in mind. Right. So mm-hmm. Robin Williams can come out and go, hey, man, woo, that was great. And I say to myself, hey, how do we do this? And we go like that and we hurry and we go go and then we come back to here <laughs> and oh look at you dear you're crapping yourself you're having such a great day are you oh man here she comes to wants me and I want to go with your daughter, crapper oh lacquer and, but, and i don't even impersonate mrs doubtfire
2: but his voice is so big right. when he does that right. i mean he's, he's working with a really big palette there's a lot of drama going on right there. as
0: yes. is his uh his his gestures his yes. his movements flits around the stage right. i could see right. him as you did that
1: he brings you he brings everybody into his world right. and you are literally whether it was radio or television you just got that just from from
2: hearing it right That's what he did. Well, think of what he did when he did Adrian Cronauer. Good morning, Vietnam! Sure, sure, sure.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I just made money just then because how many times I've sat here and not known my out. That one's going to stick with me. That was a real lesson Uh to me today. So 69 shows into my life, I can finally figure out that I
1: actually should know where I'm going before I start. So to not to not um, leave the audience with an answer, reply to your question. Mm -hmm. When I'm on stage doing, um, I have staple material that I can always pull out of my gun. I have arsenal. I have bullets. Mm -hmm. I know bits that will work. Mm -hmm. I have those. So I know I can go dance a little bit with the crowd and improv. You know, the old line in comedy, how you doing? Where you from? What's your name? What do you do for work? Are you married? Those are staple opening questions Mm -hmm any comic can say and will then get the audience involved and pretty much we have bullets mm-hmm. that we can use for those types of generic questions but as the listener as I'm the sorry? listener
0: icebreakers icebreakers yeah. you know as the uh, audience member i need to be able to relate to you in one way or the other as a comedian sure and it's the same with radio sure um people are going to be out of work if they can't relate if people your audience can't relate to you now,
2: there's right. a very fascinating point to make here when you're doing stand-up, you up go up on that stage. Before you open your mouth, the audience is already committed. Yep. In other words, it's they— Not already... every
1: show. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> you need to come to some of my shows, baby. <laughs> no. you, you kind of assume that they're yours hey, to who's lose. That guy up there? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he talking?
0: Yeah. Oh, Tell it's a, to a shut up show. Honey. I came here for a crack deal uh, not uh, to hear some idiot exactly. talk.
2: On radio, though, you, you know, the audience is joining you mid-sentence. Sure. Yeah. And you just happen to be background. You happen to be in the dashboard at the time when they hit the starter.
1: You're right. There's no there's no announcer that goes up on stage and says, "Okay, everybody. Hey, welcome to the uh, the three guy radio university show. Please listen. Please put your cell phones away. So radio is completely. And that's where that relatability comes, where people will tune into you over a course of time. Because they can relate to you.
0: What is what are the key pillars, Pete? If you had to build them to be relatable over the radio?
2: Well, we started off by hitting the big one, which is you know what Howard showed in his movies: be genuine, be yourself, be legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're if you're just coming out of broadcasting school, <laughs> right. Uh, W. Right, exactly. Yeah. But if if in fact you are authoritative, yep. you know, in here and personally in your heart, and yep. you're confident, and you're able to speak to people with that welcoming authority, that's great. There's another key point that I wanna talk about, and and this one for me was a real biggie. It's charisma. Mm. Who has charisma? And I started off by looking the word up, and charisma speaks about being an act of grace given freely. That's a great phrase. I like it. Interesting. Yeah. In other words, when we are speaking to all of you on the radio, you are automatically our friends. We like you. Mm -hmm. And that's genuine. So when we're sitting here right now, we're having a great discussion amongst ourselves. But in our minds, you are in the room with us right now. You are one of us. And so that charisma, knowing that you've joined us and we being grateful for your time is an attitude that's really important to have when you're working. Because you're sitting here in a microphone, and I can't, I can't see you right now listening there. I can't really know you, but I want to know that I am doing something useful or interesting for you. Right, right.
1: Well, you're speaking from your
2: heart. That's it. You're
1: genuine. This isn't scripted. That's right. And that is what comes through to people. Yeah. That's the that's the genuine. You know factor, someone's listening to you, we're just three guys sitting in a room right now.
2: And it's harder to do on the radio than in person, because in person, I can look you in the eye, I can shove my hand out there, hi, how you doing? I can, I can, hey, love your shoes, whatever. So there are ways to be other oriented, person to person, face to face. In radio, that's a little bit more difficult. And so your voice does have to be more animated. Yeah. You've got to be more awake, more on, yeah. more up yeah. than what would normally be the case.
0: You know, the times that I've, I've really felt like I was in the zone are times always there are some essential parts to that. One is I always try to respect my guest by showing mm-hmm. up on time, doing all the things you would normally do, but also doing show preparation, researching the person. Everybody... You know, like I said, everybody has a story and every story is worth telling. Well, I'd better actually be that person. Uh-huh. I'd better honor every story that walks in here. Michael, when you were kind enough to reach out to me, the first thing I did when you when you agreed to come in to chat um, was look you up, watch your YouTube videos, get to know Michael Pettit. There's enough information with social media and everything else out there, articles written in your case. There's plenty of information because you are a personality. Um I think that that's one element. Secondly, is try, for me, it's try to develop empathy. For the person, so it's Absolutely. not just respect. Oh, I respect where you're at, but I want to come around to your side of the table and feel what it would feel like to be in your shoes. This so, guy,
1: this guy comes in off the street and he's doing this. Pete, uh huh. Well, pretty, it's pretty good. But
0: I learn from the best, and and so I want to find out what it's like to be in your shoes. I want to be on your side of the table and develop some, try to develop some real understanding, empathy, and compassion, and passion for what it is that you find important in your life. What is your story? My chapter, exactly. There you go. Your chapter, and then. And not to uh, beat the term over the head but passion having having compassion for your guest and for the situation and it can't can't be contrived and we've had we've shed tears in the studio mm-hmm. i've had enormous laughter in the studio um the whole range of emotions has been expressed but for me and i've gotten enough feedback to know that it does work and i know when it does work and i and i also know when i can improve that's the great thing about this medium is we have a, a record uh-huh. so i can
1: go back and review my exams anytime i want well don't don't ever dismiss the notion that people don't connect to you from the radio even though they can't see you mm-hmm. they may wonder i want that guy jim looks like yeah. i wonder what he's wearing right now mm. you're real you're being sympathetic you're in, you're engaging you're serving as the host putting out a platform for people to share their story mm-hmm. that's what a host does yeah mm-hmm. you're the guy that's you're hosting yeah welcome into my living room welcome welcome to my world yeah yeah you know th- welcome to my chapter
0: yeah i want to remind everybody uh we have been talking about all things radio at Rideau university this is Radio U. Uh Uh-huh. I love that. Michael Pettit's idea. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find me at my podcast, chaptersradio.com. I am joined today by Peter J. and Michael Pettit. And that's the way it was. And that's the way way it was.
2: Walter, that's right. The most trusted man in America. Yeah.
1: And then you had Tom Brokaw. You know... (laughs) You know, Jim and Pete, I was uh you know, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I'm still and, I'm still working on my own liquid L. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you go like that from, from, you know, Tom Brokaw to uh yeah yeah yeah.
2: It's me, George.
1: George Yeah. <laughs> Well, where's, where's Mary? Clarence! Clarence! The kids are driving me crazy. Clarence! <laughs> <laughs> That's hogwash, George. Yeah. All right, you just can't get your hands on it, Potter. <laughs> One of the best movies ever. I, I watch, watch it every, every year. Do <laughs> ever. you watch it every year? <laughs> I watch it every Christmas.
0: Yeah. Did, uh-huh. you Christ I'm, I'm here, I, did you see A Star
1: is I, Born? Christmas! I'm moving around here, but did you
0: see A Star is Born?
1: The lovely and talented saw it twice, and I think she's got a real crush on... Um, okay, yeah. and you didn't see it. I, no. No, you'd be styling your
0: hair differently. I'm in the cave watching the, I'm it. watching The Patriots. Pete, I think you and I agree that might be one of the best movies. Yes, perform in in the last what twenty years?
2: It's a brilliant movie, I have to say, uh, both from a directing standpoint, and unfortunately with the Oscars, you know, he got kind of snubbed on that one. But yeah. Cooper, I think, it's a wonderful. Pete? Why is that? Why? You know, you get an Oscar for writing, you get an Oscar for acting, you get an Oscar for producing, and maybe they just didn't want to line him up for four in a row. I don't know, but. How?
0: And, and the reason I bring it up is because what was one of the keys? We talk about being relatable. Uh-huh. Lady Gaga became relatable to the audience. I, I, when she came on set and I looked up and I said to my wife, and I bet everybody turned and said, that's Lady Gaga? Where's the platinum hair? She's not wearing it. That's her natural hair color. Where's the makeup? Where's the meat suit? sure, <laughs> you know? sure. She's not doing any of that. Sure. She's herself. And,
2: and part of that is him directing because yeah. she's being managed, directed, guided, mm-hmm mentored all at once by a really accomplished actor as director Mm -hmm. who is not going to let her fail. Mm -hmm. And so the two of them, the chemistry developed between the two of them, is really the magic of the film. There are other movies like that where an actor really steps up and shows his directorial chops as an actor. Mm -hmm. Robert Redford, when he did Ordinary People, his first directing movie, Out of the Gate, with Mary Tyler Moore and a bunch of other great actors. It was a brilliant, brilliant film mm-hmm. and tough to do, but he pulled it off. Uh, and so really seasoned actors are usually not very far away from being pretty fine directors with yeah. the right technical support.
0: Mm. Interesting. So relatability is important across medium. Uh, it's just it's just a different way of cap- capturing the audience. Um, again, I want to encourage people, come on up to WFPR, 23 Hutchinson Street, ask for Pete, ask for myself, Jim Derrick, or Chris Flynn, or anybody you happen to see around, and think about how you might want to contribute and get into one of the most... Well, in my opinion, the greatest hobby I've ever had, uh, the greatest job I've ever had. This is an absolute blast. And importantly, no, you're not alone. There's a whole team of people up here that will support your vision, your dream, um, your thought as to how you want to get involved. And uh, you can be here as much or as little as you want. Um, I, I the coffee's
1: to, great. I, uh, well, it's so much more than and that. And there's I, cooking shows up here. And well, I gained
0: 30 pounds in about a year. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> That's why
0: you're on radio. Yeah. There's nothing like c and come in saying... There's a cannoli cake in the fridge. I
1: didn't know you could do that. Is that legal? Cannoli cake? I'm in. I know. Something that must be said is this facility. Oh, yeah, please. I've, I've been fortunate to work it stations radio i've gone in at seven o'clock in the morning in des moines iowa right to promote my shows at a funny bone comedy club right at an ungodly hour they pick you up and you have to go plug the yeah that's right we do two shows tonight and two on saturday don't come by we'll yeah. take the first caller who wins tickets give us you know uh-huh. this is um this is no cable access station this is the state of the art and it's a credit to this gentleman pete this i i, I saw this about a year ago I mean, this is, this is something. I have yet, this is a rocket ship. I have yet to bring
0: someone in for a tour where they don't sl- turn and look at me and say, are we at WCVB Sure. or HDH? Sure. I mean, this can't be cable access. No, you're at WPRI.
1: <laughs> With the
0: zoo. <tube. laughs> Coverage you can trust. Radio U. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, this is, um, it, it's really spectacular. It's state-of-the-art equipment. and And Pete, I I heard him say, um, and it's no surprise to me because I've been sitting here, that you created this environment to be comfortable for people.
2: Totally. The idea is not to build the usual image that people have of TV and radio studios as being very high-tech, very antiseptic, uh, and in some respects, kind of intimidating. And I think that intimidating is a word that nobody would use here. Right. No way. You know, it feels more like a bed and breakfast than it does a TV studio. (laughs) Absolutely it does. absolutely
1: except does. the food's better.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. Well, one thing that he has, many things, it's passion, experience, yeah. Yeah. but it's passion. Yeah. And Pete also brings something else that's
0: uh, uh incredibly unique in my in my world from where I came from and that's the ability to to be your friend and your mentor but but to allow you creative a lot of creative room and sure. flexibility to basically do whatever you want to do. Make the mistakes you're going to make. Enjoy yourself. And then when you ask him a question, bring incredible creativity and thought to what it is that you're trying to do. So it's a perfect marriage. You know, it's, experience <laughs> in no way is it intimidating yeah. uh, to say the least. Uh, it's it's actually the, quite the opposite. And it's really a family here. Michael Pettit, the man of a thousand voices, a really good friend, a good friend to us here at the studio, a good friend to the Safe Coalition, which Absolutely. our listeners know that I have a, a, a role to play there with. He's going to be doing a lot of fund and fundraising for us in the year coming up.
1: He fiddled and diddled, he daddles and doodled at the dim jarracks. I don't believe what the kid off the street, bang.
0: Michael <laughs> Pettit. For Michael, you have a show coming up in Foxborough at the... Orpheum, the old Orpheum Theater, and now the Marilyn Rodman Performing Arts Center.
1: Absolutely. Um, a great venue, old school theater, yeah. and um, I'm very fortunate and blessed to uh, perform. It's for the Foxborough Firefighters. Yeah. It is yeah. uh, February 16th, yep. and it is... I love my I love gigs I enjoy it when they call your name it's great I've worked on cruise ships in Vegas and I live here in New England I am all things New England I love firemen but there's something about an old-school theater when you're sitting in the back and those cables and the wires and just the the history and you see props from plays that they're doing that the youth uh, the community groups are doing it's really the creaky floor there is nothing like a theater like that I've done the Katherine Hepburn theater in Connecticut that's another great one but Foxborough Orpheum Theater. I think it was built in like nineteen thirties, uh, forty,
0: maybe five hundred seats or so. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, it is
1: really. It's still pink. It's everything you talk about. They've got a little refreshment popcorn stand, machine, the popcorn machine. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's, it's
2: nice to see that building come yeah. back. Too. Isn't it nice? Yeah. and they yeah.
1: do a bang up job down there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. And that's how we met, Jim. That is. Was via um, you posted something? There was a show going on for recovery. That's right. And I didn't know you. And I saw it on Facebook. And I just messaged. Them. I'm going to message this guy saying I've been sober for. 27 years. Yeah. I perform full-time. This is how I pay my, my mortgage. This is what I do if you need anything. And here we are now a year later and doing great things.
0: People can get tickets at the Marilyn Rodman performing arts center online yes um i would get them soon yeah michael brings two other great comedians yes. with him you're the yep. host and the mc
1: i uh, i am I host and i close yeah that's how i kind of you saw the show that i did yeah. for the, uh, the 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 recovery
0: let me tell you something absolutely as we as i said to you afterward crushed it yep. There everybody in that room yeah uh had stomach aches from laughing nobody left early and it was frankly it wasn't because now the hall was lovely sure but it was circa, what, 1971? Yeah. And and so people weren't there for the drinks and the hors d'oeuvres. Let's just yeah. say that. Michael held everybody uh, beyond held them. They wanted more. And we, we left that evening singing Sweet Caroline at the top of our lungs with Neil Diamond, also known as Michael Pettit, leading the sing-along. And it was probably the most fun that most people in that audience had had in years.
2: Mike, I got a question. Yes, sir. Somebody wants to find you on the Internet. How?
1: My website is oh. my my last name, Pettit, P-E-T-I-T, productions.com. Uh, Pettitproductions.com. That's just my website um, on the Facebook and all that Instagram stuff, the typical social media. Um, I still find, though, you know, the best... The best word of mouth is word of mouth. Well as you know, the Red Sox won the World Series once again. Oh, can sure. you believe
0: it? Speaking of guys <laughs> that can change subjects in a flash, Joe Castiglione will have a guy uh uh-huh. up at bat, usually like Big Poppy. Sure. And he'll go into his discussion about the at bat and then wander into what Big Poppy's grandfather <laughs> used to
1: do I when know. he was a kid. For a living, <laughs> and you say to yourself, "You gotta be kidding me!" you <laughs> joke joking, literally. I met Joe briefly yeah. uh, a couple of years ago in spring training, and a friend of mine, uh, Ted Fitzgeorge, is a uh, the announcer at JetBlue Park in Fort Myers. Yeah. One of my good friends who I stayed connected with over the years when I lived there in the 90s. Ted is the announcer 24-7 mm-hmm. at JetBlue Park. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when it's Red Sox season, which is starting very soon, the, the truck is leaving. So we saw that I was doing uh, some shows down in Fort Myers. He's like, hey, Pettit, get your rear end over here. I want you to come be a guest, and I want you to meet somebody. And I kind of knew it was going to be Joe. Uh-huh. So... He brings us up. It's beautifully hot, you know, 85 degrees. And he walks around. And there's Joe doing his commercials before the game so yeah. they can have him all in the, a term, in the can. Uh-huh. And he brings me in and he says, hey, uh, Joe, this is my friend Mike Pettit. He's a great impressionist. Give him some Joe. So I said, hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. <laughs> he looked at me, guys, and he goes, wow, can you believe it? <laughs> True story. That's fantastic. so. Joe is that guy, you know. You know, Big Poppy. I was hanging out with Big Poppy, and he's got that salsa a business that he's doing on the. There's a deep drive. We'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> Back right. to the salsa. <laughs> right. Oh, I spilled my salsa. So well, I want to thank
0: you, Michael. Yeah. Thank you, Peter, for this for this great hour of radio at Radio University. One of my lessons, and I've got a, a big, thick binder here, three ring bound, plastic sealed. Uh, with notes that I've taken today.
2: Are they laminated?
0: Uh, they are. They will be <laughs> shortly, and uh, <laughs> from my friends at Allegra Printing. Plug, <laughs> um, plug, 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 plug. Yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> so one of my lessons is that I'm supposed to know my out. Um, we will not sell out, baby. No, no. Thank you very much, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> but I'm supposed to know my out. <laughs> I, I have no idea what my out is. So how about this? Thanks for listening to Chapters. My name is Jim Derrick He is Peter J. Michael Pettit and Michael Pettit. Thanks for listening. Come on down, visit us at WFPR Studios, 23 Hutchinson Street, Franklin, Mass. I am out.